Hi, everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D. I am one of your co- your hosts, your coasts, too. I'm a coast now. I'm Jess Geyer. I'm one half of one of you games, and I make tabletop role-playing games, and I'm here with my co-host, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, I'm Craig Campbell, and I'm the owner of Nerdburger Games, and I make tabletop role-playing games, too. And we are here with a guest. It's Banana. Hello. Hello. Hi, everyone. Uh, I am Banana. Uh, I have been on the show once before, and I am back. Actually, this is your third time. This is my third time, yes. (laughs) And we'll edit that in post-production, won't we? No. No. No, you were on, like, our first guest first yeah you were our first guest right yes we did just talk about that yeah (laughs) (laughs) banana tell us a little bit about yourself yeah absolutely uh so thanks again for having me on i am banana i am a game designer a game publisher i co-own and uh, publish stuff uh, under the name Game in a Curry. And so what we do is we do small box board games and role-playing games. Uh, And I've also done work for other companies such as uh, Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro as a larger umbrella, and Paizo. And you are also now like making videos about game design topics and things like that. I've I've been very interested in watching those. They're really cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Craig, we brought Banana on for a a great pair of episode topics. Uh, Banana, did you choose those topics? I did. <laughs> good good yeah. choices. I talk about game design a lot, so I'm just like, okay, I would love to talk about something else. <laughs> yeah. A, a glimpse behind the scenes, because we do these two topics that Jess and I work very hard to make sure are tangentially related in some way, if at all possible. Um, but then we always throw the list of topics out to the guest and say, what would you like to talk about and give them at least like four pairs of topics. And sometimes the guest has their own thing that they want to talk about uh, an idea for a topic. We've got one or two of those coming up, but uh, yeah, this was bananas. Like I'm not, I'm not talking about game design anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think last time we talked to you was when you had like three Kickstarter. I don't know. You had a lot of projects going on at the last yes. time. Yes, Anna was, was doing 47 things. <laughs> Um, but this time it's, uh, as you know, from the GMing side, we are talking about what do you do when like too many people are missing, like too many players can't make it. And maybe you can't run that game exactly the way you wanted. Maybe you got to do something differently with the game. Maybe you do something else completely different, something, uh, something entirely different. Um, and our, you know, like just uh, ideas, suggestions, things we've done in the past when, when that sort of a situation has come up. Yeah, or when you just need a break from playing tabletop role-playing games. You need to play something else, do something else. Yes, that is a great topic. I love this topic. What do you do, Banana? What's your your tip? So uh, I consume a lot of other types of media. So it's not just, you know, tabletop role-playing games like 24-7. I know that, um, you know, sometimes when we think about like, people who play tabletop role-playing games, that's their identity, right? Like that's like the only thing that they do uh, when in actuality, like tabletop role-playing games, like, or games or whatever uh, sort of medium, that's just like like a thing that you do, right? Versus like, uh, it's, it's more of like a, we talked about this probably already in the past where it's just a medium, right? It's just like a, a vehicle for storytelling or a vehicle for like trying to convey certain themes or topics that you want to want to discuss. And so what I like to do is I like to like explore other media like movies, television, 
those are my big ones. Obviously, like video games, also a great source of inspiration. But movies and television are definitely like the big ones for me. And also uh, before the pandemic, uh, I used to go to like a lot of immersive art installations and just run around taking pictures of like, you know, <laughs> weird immersive art. Do you do that with your with your gaming group? Do you ever or is that like yeah. a solo thing you do? So gaming group, I don't really have like a set one. I feel like it's it's like an interesting like way that I socialize where I have multiple people that I game with, but I don't have a campaign ever just because like, I don't like longer form campaigns, but I do like, you know, if it's like a mini campaign, if it's like a one shot, then yeah, we can like have a couple of games of that, but I don't really have one set group that I go to like every single time. So occasionally, yes, like I would go, you know, do immersive art romps with friends who I also happen to game with, but I never just like, you know, do, I don't just hang out with a specific group. I think a lot of those types of things can be really great if you can, and, and, and you can, it can just be like the random thing. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. But like, if, if there's something thematic that you can kind of tie into, like you've got, let's say you've got a group and you're playing a game that's all about, you know, ex- your, your characters are out in the wild all the time. They're exploring, they're doing stuff. If you've got a natural, hitch, natural history museum, you know, if you need a break from jamming, if you need time to get yourself squared away for the upcoming arc of the campaign, which we've talked about just in this last episode about how like sometimes you just the GM just needs a break for a week. Um, or if you're short people, like, you know, you could like go to the Natural History Museum and go learn about all sorts of animals and plants and things from different parts of the world. Or go to a park. And things that a... can inspire you for yeah. the game. Go to the park and see all the interesting and unique uh, animals and plants in that park like all those people yeah. and all their <laughs> all their yeah. glory yeah i think like living in new york especially like so i have like the privilege of being around a lot of different things and events um and they're like very close by even though i'm like now in the suburbs like prior to that i was living in the city but now i'm just like i'm still like half an hour away it's like really close and so we have like different exhibits right like every thursday there are gallery openings that you can just like go to for art galleries and also like you have uh the museum of ice cream that's open all the time you have like (laughs) the you know color factory color factory is always there uh candytopia candytopia is like an immersive art exhibit slash installation slash like it's for like kids as well where you just like go in and everything is made out of candy and so like there are a lot of these like immersive museum type installations that i just like have you know access to and so like if you wanted to you could definitely like get your gaming group together and like go some go to something like that i know that like the more popular ones right now sort of integrate like larp into them as well so like uh you know these could be things like the bridgerton experience or like the stranger things experience but i think that like now that we're trying to mesh these ideas together like we have branded experiences which has always been the thing right the Mm -hmm. branding of an experience has always been the thing but like i think that like now that tv and movies are realizing that oh there's power to these immersive experiences let's capitalize on that and like let's theme a thing around like a tv show or whatever and so yeah that's that was a tangent that i just sort of went down on yeah no it's it's great i think all three of us live in a pretty major city because yeah i live in chicago now and there's always something going on i live also like 
literally a block away from Lincoln Park. I can walk around. There's all sorts of stuff. There's the beach, just like a couple, like one block further. It's a big block, but a one block further. And I can just enjoy, I can go from the city to a park to literally Lake Michigan in 15 minutes of a walk. And mm-hmm. it is so, it's so nice to be able to do that. Um, I don't have a gaming group right now either. Nothing solid. The only person that I game with regularly who like actually lives in my vicinity is literally my husband at this point. So, and we're around each other all the time. But when I, when I had a, a solid gaming group that we met every week, same people every week. The, during the times that we weren't meeting to play a game, we still liked to meet together to socialize because we were also friends. And it's good. I think it's good to not only consume tabletop games, even with your tabletop group. This unique, it's good to make the like the personal connections with each other, with yourself and with your with your gaming partners because it makes for a more cohesive understanding group too. So not only are you understanding yourself and what you like and and don't like and what fuels you, but, and, and, you know, dripping from like getting all this creative energy that you can then maybe expend on your gaming group later. Uh, But it also helps you learn about each other and what they like and makes you more understanding and nice to each other. I mean, people are generally nice. In my opinion, people are generally nice, especially with their friend group, but more understanding and more compassionate, uh, especially if you're playing games that are very intense or even sometimes antagonistic just by nature of the game. So when my gaming group would have a non, non-role-playing game night, we would do two things, typically. We would go out to eat together. And when we went out to eat together, it was just nice to not even be in the place that we typically game. We didn't have character sheets in front of us. We were just sharing a meal and having fun. And of course we talked about our game a lot because that was a, like, that's how we met each other was playing this game, but it was nice to just have conversations that didn't completely revolve around people trying to kill our fictional characters. (laughs) It was great. And when we played games together, that was the other big activity we did. We did not play competitive games. We played cooperative games, like pretty exclusively. We played Pandemic. Um, we played oh, what's this? This game's kind of in like kind of competitive, but mostly cooperative. It's the Outpost Forty One, the Thing Outpost Forty One game. Oh yeah. Um, we played Mysterium, like all these cooperative type games that allowed us to, you know, be build build our team because that's what we were doing basically like building a team that could cooperate and work together better at the gaming table and make our we were very serious about gaming (laughs) (laughs) make our make our gaming table more more functional and more efficient as as team members essentially and i i really valued those experiences you know you spend so much time around a table with somebody that you're meeting every week and you're never talking to them it's weird and you don't get to know like I know I know all about your your character Cataline but I have no idea who you are Jennifer <laughs> who are you it, it's just nice to to know to be able to spend time with those people unfortunately like with the LARP groups that I've been a part in unless I was going like you know with the people that I knew and like going to go to this LARP 
some people I met with and were friends in character with and like knew the ins and outs of of these people, I never learned their actual real life people names, uh, which I think is a shame. I bet they were really cool people. Mm-hmm. I just know who they were when they had a, you know, face paint and were carrying fake swords. <laughs> it's, it's, I think, very beneficial to just get out of the out of that space, even if you're playing other sorts of things with them. And ulterior motive as a GM, you might discover aspects of these people, interests of theirs that fall outside of specifically the game and what you've talked about in the game and what you talked about at session zero and everything that might be like a great inspiration for, oh, this is a thing I could bring into the game. Like I went out with my players and everything that I didn't know terribly well. And I discovered that they're all huge basketball fans. Well, guess what? In our fantasy game, there's suddenly going to be an episode where there's going to be this sport that these uh, that this that this particular group of people plays that's going to feel an awful lot like basketball, and they're going to have fun with that. I was going to say that running a basketball arc is my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but anything, you know, pick it. Like you, I think you find out like you playing kids on bikes. Um, this was something I was thinking about too. Is like you can thematically find some things. Like if you even if and even if you're like in a, a smaller town, like if you don't have access to New York or Atlanta or Chicago, you know, if you're playing kids on bikes set in the 80s, like to have the whole group go to the high school band concert or the high school theater production, or is there a, uh, is, is there a, a drive-in theater that's still operating on weekends occasionally? Or is there, you know, like anything that like ties you back you know, like that, that like, I, I would find that incredibly entertaining, and interesting to see, like, if you're playing a game, that's like, oh, it's all we're playing characters in high school in the 80s. And we're going to go do something that's kind of of the 80s or of high school or of my memory of high school. Um, that kind of takes me back to that a little bit. Um, and you might find some really interesting things about people like you just suddenly discover that Oh, no, no surprise. All my role playing friends were also in theater club, you know, like, oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a pretty good guess. I haven't, I haven't been, you know, pushing you for a monologue enough. Like let's have characters that, you know, like now you as a GM know that like they've done like big monologues, like, like, and now you're all comfortable with each other at the game. And like, you can take, keep that in mind. If the, if the player starts to have a little speech with their character, you know, like you don't necessarily cut it off as quickly, like let them go. Like maybe that's something that they really like the theatricality of that, that you didn't pick up on before, but now you discovered that, Oh, like, well, well, they're, that person is, you know, really into that. And they've been into that for, you know, 15, 20 years or however long. Yeah. You never know what you're going to discover. I, um, when I said basketball arc was my nightmare, it's just because I know nothing about basketball. If I were trying to run a basketball arc, it would be like an alien trying to do human things. I have no clue. So an interesting thing that you could do instead is have like a scene in the locker room where you're having interpersonal connections and interpersonal relationships versus the actual game itself. And so I think that like shifting the focus from like, what is sports ball like? to like, sure. what is the aftermath like after we lost the game or after we won the game? Right, everybody everybody make a basketball playing role. And if more <laughs> of you succeed than fail, then you won the game. And now let's like, what does the locker room look like after you all won the game? What does the next day at school look like after mm-hmm. the, the, the high school team won the championship? What happens, what's, what's the next day like if they lost the championship? Mm-hmm. but they still have a monster to fight <laughs> or whatever. Right. <laughs> Cause that's one of the that's great things. Monster. Like if you, you know, like think about the media that you were talking about, like banana was talking about, like, you know, movies and TV, if you're playing a monster fighting game, like watch a two-parter of Buffy 
or or some monster fighting show, supernatural or whatever, right? And be reminded of like how those shows combine things of like real life stuff with like monster fighting stuff. And that can help to kind of re-inspire you into like, well, we've been running a lot of these games and it's just like the characters are just running around hunting monsters, but they have lives like going on too. And this this reminds me of that. Like we can have those interludes. Um, you, you, you'll be inspired by all sorts of things if you, you know, get away from the gaming table for a little while. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Just to like go to different things, go look at different things in order to get inspiration for you know, your game, whether it's like you're designing a thing or you are about to do like a one-shot campaign, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Or create some sort of story arc. I think the concept of like doing it together as a group is interesting. Like what you've all mentioned is, you know, you have that shared sort of experience now, like say you're going to, um, you know, the beach together and you notice like, you know, something in the waves or something. Now that you have that visual, you have that hook that you can maybe borrow and use it later on in like a story. Yeah. I mean, just pursuing those, those different, different ideas or even kind of introducing your players to what you might want to explore in the game. You already have the idea first and you want to like, maybe you do, maybe you all read a a book or a short story or you do a poem reading or something that's all related to a concept that you want to cover in your game or you want to do uh an aquatic adventure maybe you all take the boat out onto the ocean or to the lake if you have access to some large body of water um or you watch i don't know jacques cousteau videos together and just introducing that you could work backwards too um to kind of give them the vibe and give them inspiration for their characters um and also see if they're into it as much as you are like i love i love deep sea creatures i i get super pumped about them but are my players gonna get super pumped about seeing an angler fish i don't know (laughs) i was literally thinking about that as we were talking earlier in the episode as you as you you were talking i'm thinking about like well what's in atlanta and there's like the georgia aquarium which is great i was like if you play an under gonna play an underwater campaign all right well aquariums I don't know before, why <laughs> we're going to go on the lake, <laughs> but yeah, like you go to an aquarium and like, okay, you're all playing mer people in this game. Well, what does your mer person look like? What do your scales and your, and your fins and your everything look like? Well, let's go to the aquarium before we start the campaign and you can pick out the fish that like, that's cool. That's what my mer person looks like. I've got this color scales and I've got the, the big fins with the big long tenderly bits at the end, or I've just got like a, like a nice little triangular fin or like whatever, you know, whatever, like and you, it will help you to, you know, the, the, you can all visualize like you're playing this strange person mm-hmm. of this like mer, mer people variety and you make them distinctive and you can tie that in there and like, and then you'll get ideas too. Like, well, my character, you know, my character decides that they want to have like a little best friend. That's this particular type of fish or, uh, you know, like you as a GM might learn something about sharks that you didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like the fact that their teeth are scales and that's why they grow back and they have what? rows and rows and rows of them. <laughs> Sharks don't have teeth. They're cartilaginous. They have no bones. They have no that's teeth. They're so creepy their teeth, their teeth are scales. That's why when they fall out, they grow back and they have rows of them. Like you'll learn something new about sharks that you didn't know. <laughs> I think it just like blew Jessica's mind. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't know that. I knew that shark's teeth grew back and I knew that sharks didn't have bones, but I never thought about then what are their teeth? What is it? What is a teeth? Um, yeah. I, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just, isn't that messed up? 
<laughs> yeah, this reminds me of an art exhibit that I went to maybe, I think it was like 2018, 2019, uh, but it was like a futuristic fashion show. But in terms of like what they were trying to get at was that everyone had, they were like genetically modified in a way. So that was like the fashion. The fashion was like genetically modified onto you. So you would have like uh, skin grafts that looked like looked like mushrooms, right? Like things that made you look closer to nature and you would grow like, you know, additional organs or things like that because that was now like the concept of beauty. That was like the beauty standard, like having more and more organs than other people or like just like having like multiple hands or like scaly feet or like, you know, things like that. Like it was a really interesting exhibit and it was just like, how do I explain this to other people? Like, there's no way I can explain this to other people unless they like experience it with me or like I can show them pictures of it or like, you know, something, right? And so I think that like, I think that it's cool to have like all these hooks and stuff, but like, it's hard to explain sometimes just like, you know, the, the in-depth nature of like, oh, I went to this thing. It was really cool looking. And I just like, don't know how to explain it to other people. So I think that like putting words onto things, like after you've like seen a thing, maybe like journaling it out or something could be helpful if you wanted to like incorporate that into your game. Yeah. Journaling it out, documenting it. I think I struggle keeping a diary. I, I struggle keeping any sort of routine, but keeping a diary, especially has been something I've come back to a lot. Um, but writing it down, documenting it, taking a picture, that's, that's great for any kind of creative exercise. I got to show you these photos. Cause this place is I, wild. I like, it was them. really freaking cool. <laughs> I want to see them in, in videos too. We have the wonderful technology of our phones, just like right in our hands, which can be a diary and a camera and a video recorder all at once. So, uh, using that to your advantage, um, if you aren't out there with your gaming group to show them what it's like is is so important or at least to keep it for yourself i forget everything i see unless i write it down so i'm very interested in this fashion show i'm thinking about the mushroom skin graft thing in the last episode we mentioned body horror and that's cool i like it i like this idea i've also been listening to the magnus archives and there's a lot of weird stuff like that in there too so yeah uh, what about for our our game design uh, we kind of have been touching on this. I don't even know if it's necessary to segue completely into that, but refilling our our creative wells as designers, I don't know if it's all that different to what we've been just discussing, to be honest. Yeah. Like everything we just mentioned, plus, <laughs> let's just keep rolling. Re replenishing the well. I think one of the things that... Um, I have found useful and it's, it, it's a luxury of being where I'm at with the number of projects. And I think banana probably feels this as well, because I know you work on a lot of projects is switching gears can, can be incredibly helpful to um, replenishing the creative well as a designer. Like you've been working on this project, this one particular thing, you've kind of like hit a ceiling on what you, uh, like, I'm no longer innovating. I'm just like barfing ideas onto the page and none of them are good. You know, if, 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 if you have the available, the, the opportunity for different things to be working on at the time, if you've got that kind of time and, and if your game design kind of focus is to bounce around like that yeah switching up gears and setting set this one aside work on that one uh, work on something very different like if you're especially if you've got 
like I'm writing this horror game and it's like, oh, it's just like, um, I'm just constantly designing things that are killing characters and doing gruesome stuff. And I'd really love to write something about fairies and pixies and like <laughs> magical things. Yeah. And then you watch Darkness Falls and. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe you're also working on this little side project of like something that's like much lighter and friendlier. And so you can kind of like exercise muscles that you haven't been using, set that other stuff aside. And it, it, also serves the purpose of this is a big I'm a big proponent of setting your work aside for a bit so that you oh, can yeah. come back to it with mm -hmm. fresh eyes because you will miss things like you'll suddenly realize oh there's like a blatant miss a skip in logic like I, I'm taking you through the rules and I'm going from here to here and I don't explain something setting that aside and coming back to it later and rereading it might suddenly spark your you realize that yeah. Or you're just out of ideas for superpowers. <laughs> so it's time to work on something else for a little while so that when you come back, you're like, oh, okay, I've got other ideas for superpowers now. I didn't have to pressure myself at the time. I, I went and worked on something for, you know, something else for a while. Or yeah. just to not work at all. Because yeah. your, your creative process is like, it has an intellectual expenditure. You are you are using energy, even if you're sitting there doing nothing. You're you're using this emotional and often physical energy too, because your brain uses energy when you're thinking. It doesn't just do nothing in there, and there's little brain signals happening, and and that mm -hmm. takes energy out of you. And if you're always constantly trying to create you are going to make yourself tired. And if you make yourself too tired, that can produce a burnout sy syndrome and burnout syndrome takes a long time to recover from and it's damaging. So you wanna make sure that you are leaving some time that you don't feel like you have to be on. Like if it comes to you, if it naturally comes to you, that's, that's cool and all, and that will happen, but like, not thinking that you have to always be doing something for your company or not always having to come up with ideas, even like, yes, working on a different project. That's great too, but taking some time to just enjoy other people's creativity even, or enjoy nature or enjoy your other hobbies, go for a walk, go for a run and don't worry about it so much. It can be so energizing. And even if you're not actively trying to generate those creative ideas, you can find when you come back, like, oh, now I have the energy to think again. I had this breathing room. I gave myself some breathing room and now I can just do it again. I can keep going. Even if I wasn't thinking about it for the last two days, three days, week, month, however long you're taking a break. Vacation, yeah. vacation time. I Brand think on vacation. top of that, also like the because we are gamers right like we seek experiences and because we seek experiences sometimes we end up seeking the same experience over and over again and by that i mean like when it comes to games most folks when they think of tabletop role-playing games they play dnd and so when you've played dnd for like x amount of years you are so used to that one experience that you are not necessarily like taking the time to seek out others, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think with like playing other tabletop role-playing games, that is one way where you can be like, oh, okay, there are other ways of like playing, t you know, TTRPGs. And like, likewise to that, like if you want to seek out other types of experiences in, you know, in terms of like, how do people interact with like, you know, a specific type of art? How do people react to like a different, you know, a specific type of like medium? I think it's useful to like look at 
other medias and like see how people interact with it and see how people experience things because ultimately like people are going to experience things differently like everyone's going to be different when they come to like experiencing a thing and like I think that like looking at other types of media it only makes your work stronger because you'll be able to understand like okay like this is what the user is going to do or the player is going to do like later on, right? Like if I introduce this new theme or if I introduce this new mechanic or a subroutine or whatever it is, then, you know, I'll be, I'll be better at figuring out like how they're going to react to it and what the outcome is going to be. And I think when it comes to game design, we should be like looking at different kinds of experiences, not just like TTRPGs or board games or, you know, things that are on a table. I think it's really valuable to like look at just like other things that are out there, whether it's like, you know, sports ball. I don't know much about sports ball, but like, you know, if it's like art, movies, television, game, uh, video games, um, you know, other kinds of things, uh, I think it will only make like our work even more exciting and experiential. I even just like, my favorite thing to do is to go out for a walk at night and in the little neighborhood houses that are so like the row houses are so beautiful here and just enjoy them and just enjoy being outside and thinking about, Oh, what are those people in there doing? What's their life? Like, what's that painting that I see in their window? It's just good to, I think it's just spiritually good to experience things and, and not, always be the tabletop person and talk to people who don't play tabletop games have conversations and and just try to experience life I think um like that's a huge problem now where a lot of our social interactions are in online spaces and I don't know about the two of you but if I go on my social media it's almost all tabletop people and they're all having pretty similar conversations a lot of them are talking about tabletop games I mean, there's other stuff in there too but like I have to go back to Facebook if I want to see <laughs> things that aren't tabletop um anymore uh because I follow like way too many people on Twitter just having conversations with people who don't even have that agenda on their mind um is helpful for me I, I'm a teacher I get to talk to people all the time it's my my job T- talking to young people talking to people who are um you know outside of that experience um, that I have is very fulfilling to me. And I think, feel like makes me a better writer and a better designer in general and person overall. (laughs) I feel less boring when I'm not, (laughs) when I'm not just talking on the same subject, Banana, you're entirely right about um, getting away from that medium when you can. I have a TikTok account and I do not follow, or I try not to repost like or share unless it's like a friend of mine or something like that, then I try not to like look at like tabletop game stuff, unless it's like, you know, a store, a friend, something that I actually genuinely am like, okay, this is like, this makes sense. I love this. You know, otherwise the algorithm is just going to like send me a whole bunch of like TTRPG stuff. And I'm just like, I, I, I get all this stuff from Twitter. Like I know what's going on on Twitter. I'm going to repost stuff there. I'm going to be listening to stuff there, but like, TikTok or YouTube or like, you know, there has to be like a space that's just for my interests that are not 
games related, right? Like I am interested in horror. I'm interested in like bird facts. I'm interested in like, you know, all these other things like history and like, you know, other types of arts and music and theater. And like, you know, I just don't want to hear about games all the time because that is going to put a dampen onto like my creative process when I do design stuff. I think that's part of the reason why I don't like to listen to a lot of actual plays. Cause that takes like, I have one actual play that I like to listen to and they have pretty short episodes. Um, but I listen to a lot of podcasts and none of them except for that one are about tabletop games. Right. I yeah, love to listen I'm, to horror and I'm in the same boat. I like yeah. I, I cycle through different podcasts where I'm very big on, you know, these three or four for a while and there there was a time when they were very heavily on tabletop role-playing games, but not that's not the case anymore. Every now and then it's like an episode of something now and again, but I, you know, listen to a lot of different podcasts about just all, all sorts of different topics that I'm interested in. Um, and then when it comes to like creative endeavors, creative, you know, like in art and so forth, I think as RPG designers, we accidentally and purposely examine, even if it's kind of subconscious, the, the, the other RPG game book that we're reading, right? We're thinking about like, oh, why did they present the information in this order? That's interesting. Like, you know, they're, or, they're, or you're really getting immersed in the world of being like, oh, I wish I could develop something to that depth. And, oh, look at how they twisted this around and did this interesting thing. And like, this, these game mechanics are fun and et cetera. But I do try to do that occasionally with other artistic things as well, other creative endeavors by other people. Um, I mean, like I listen to some music at work, but it's usually just like, it's because I'm in the middle of working on something and it's, I put an album on and I just like, I let the album play, but every now and then I'll sit down and be like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and listen to this album, start to finish and just listen to the album. And because I do these game things and have done other creative things, I find myself thinking about like, why did they lead off with this song? Why is this song the first song on the album? Why is this, you know, like the, we, 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 the, it goes from this song to this song to this song and thematically it does these things. And then there's a, you know, there's a drop off. Like there, there is an art to the order in which songs are strung together um, and intended to be kind of appreciated in that order for some reason, whatever the reason may be that the artist. And I, and I don't necessarily always know what that answer is. I might go looking for it, like in the information age that we live in, you can go and find out like, why, why did they put those songs in that order? If you're not listening to like a concept album or a story album, that's literally telling you a story from start to finish, but like there's, there's reasoning behind it. And I find myself doing that with, you know, like I, I fell in love with the director commentary on DVDs for about a decade because the best ones I found absolutely fascinating of directors talking about why they made the choices they did, why they framed this shot like this, why they went from this sequence to this sequence and what that invokes in a person. Like, and I was like, well, crap, you're right. That really did that. Like, and when I watch it, I feel good because they're skilled auteurs of their field. And they, they took you from one type of a scene framing to another type. And it made you feel tense or it made you feel relaxed, or it made you um, worry, or it made you, you know, like, uh, like the, the musical score did a certain thing, and it made you feel a certain way. And like, there's, there's a, there's a reasoning behind all of that. And I find all of, I find examining those things interesting. And I try to do that in a more pointed way, where I can, like, look up like what they were, you know, what the artist was actually thinking or doing, or why they were reasoning that out that way. And in some cases, just me thinking about like, you know, I, I think, this, this might be an oversimplified way of thinking about it, but there's a point in Ferris Bueller's Day Off where Cameron is looking at the pointillism painting and he's just staring at it and he's seeing 
the whole picture and then he's seeing part of the picture and then he's seeing just like these little dots and he's seeing like like there's he has this revelation in the story and it's it's both like what i like to do as far as like drilling down and picking apart like why how does this thing how is this creative thing made and what makes it do what it does and then it's also an example of a character on the screen who is having that exact same examination that i'm going right along on the ride with with him uh, I, I really enjoy doing that sort of stuff. And I, I, I've fallen away from the director commentary, but I, you know, now with like, you know, a billion things online, you can go and find directors, round tables, talking about this and that, or musicians that are having discussions about like why they wrote a song a certain way or. Speaking of songs, have you heard the album everywhere at the end of time? So it is a full album where, uh, and this was like making the rounds, I think like, last year or the year before where um i don't even know what to call it like music talk or music twitter or music youtube whatever it's called <laughs> they're um they were really into this this album because the album is actually a a progression uh, a patient's experience into alzheimer's disease and so the first song is just like okay like i'm remembering things it's very clear and then like the second song things get like a little hazier and like as the album progresses into like the final song it gets like even more and more disjointed and the way that like a lot of youtubers were like talking about this album the way that they were experiencing it is that you know when they first start listening to it it's just like okay like this is just like any out there album like this is a nice song whatever but by the end of it they're just like crying mm -hmm. um because this album is so impactful and so sad uh i mean like content warnings for anyone who is about to listen to this album it is very intense like it's not story driven it's not like you know there are no words it's just music and so I think it's like a really powerful uh, way of like conveying, you know, this idea of like Alzheimer's disease in like in musical form. What's it called again? Everywhere at the end of time. And it's by the caretaker. Okay. I always wonder like, because I, I like to do media analysis too. It, I was a literature teacher for a very long time. Sorry, I'm writing it down everywhere at the end of time. Uh, <laughs> I was a literature teacher. I, I read a lot. I mean, I majored in, I didn't major in literature, but I majored in language in, in university. So I do a lot of like lit cred and media analysis. And I always wonder like what my experience would be if I were able to either have never done lit crit at all and just like sit and have an experience experience and have it be shot into my brain or if I could turn that switch off like whether or not I'm I, I I don't I don't know what to say like am I really truly enjoying something if I'm thinking about it and and and, and engaging in this sort of criticism it reminds me a lot of an essay that I always recommend to people too it's by Mark Twain it's called two ways of seeing a river and he talks about his experience being on a riverboat before he became a, a steamboat pilot or whatever you call it and and how he used to just like see the ripples in the water and he used to see uh the the colors of the sky and all of this and then after he became a a steamboat pilot how the ripples in the water made him think oh what if there's a log under there maybe i should avoid it or the colors in the sky yes it's a very pretty red and that means it's going to storm is is he enjoying this in the same way is he enjoying it at all um i i always think about that and wonder like am i am i turning off am am i am i being entertained or am i still 
doing this work essentially this brain work personally I think it makes me enjoy things more but it's always an it's like a philosophical conundrum for me that I also enjoy thinking about I can't even just enjoy this being in a conundrum I have to think about the conundrum myself (laughs) I think that's a really good point because like it is interesting that the way like we consume media for various types of reasons right like and it might be a matter of like framing you know your mindset before like consuming a piece of media like am I going into this expecting to you know maybe not like dissect every piece of it but like am I able to like separate myself from that and just like watch it like an example would be uh, Machine Gun Kelly just released a weed movie and it is very bad, but am I enjoying it? Yes, because I love to hate watch. Um, <laughs> but if it was like, a, like, you know, a critic who's watching this, then, you know, they're going in with the mindset of like, yes, I'm going to dissect this and make sure that you know it gets like uh whatever rating and obviously it's very bad it's not good but uh at the same time like you know if that same movie critic were to like watch it with a different mindset like maybe thinking like okay I'm just gonna watch this like I would watch uh I don't know the room or something like that then maybe it'd be more enjoyable yeah I'm I'm of the mind that the best critics can do both and can convey both of those things in the review. They can tell you, oh, this is a horribly filled, flawed film. There's this, this, and this wrong with it, but it's so fun. I still had a really good time watching, you know, like it told a, it told a fun adventure, even though there were plot holes, you know, like those, those I, I appreciate those types of reviews. And I think just to speak to your point, there are people, I think, you know, like it, it's art, right? This is the, 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 the the conundrum, the, the the thing about art is everybody experiences it differently and you will experience it differently at different times in your life and based on different uh, tactics that you take to, to experience it in different direct, you know, different directions you come at it from. Like if Jess, would you, are you missing out on having just the purely emotional being taken on a ride thing? Or I don't know, but it sounds like you enjoy the, 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 the examination yeah. Or did I Stockholm syndrome myself into thinking I do? I don't know. And that's fun for you. And if that's fun for you, then you're not missing out on anything. You're just enjoying it in a different way than some people might. I don't know. That's just my take on that. No, I feel that. I have a podcast on Adam Sandler. Um, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're coming out with a new episode next week. Oh. <laughs> There's a new movie coming out about basketball, in fact. So... <laughs> yes. I very badly want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I very yeah. badly want to do an, a podcast entirely about Nicolas Cage movies, watching them in order. Because <laughs> I've watched some more recent Nick Cage stuff down. I'm like, oh boy, this guy did Leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> it's an experience. It's definitely an experience because we watched, um, we, we, we speed run, speed ran, speed ran. <laughs> we speed ran Adam Sandler chronologically. Um, and it was definitely an experience. It was fun to do. It was really fun. Um, sure. And I feel like, like to kind of like bring it back to what we were talking about, it made me a better podcaster. That was my first experience um, editing a podcast and editing audio and all that. I, I mean, I, I also had a better program than I use now because it was free when I was a teacher at my old district and I don't have it now. Bless up Adobe, I guess, although also not, I hate Adobe regardless uh 
I was able to take those experiences, even though I wasn't like thinking about using them. I'm able to use them in my in the stuff that I do now related to tabletop. So even if I wasn't trying to actively think about it at that point, I can come back. I can reflect on my experience. I think we haven't like we kind of touched on it, but that reflection point is really important. Thinking about what you did, thinking about what you were learning or thinking about what you were being entertained by doing this sort of metacognition. Um, I think is a great way to step up your game when it comes to your creative output too, like making those connections, doing it. Oh, and it can be worthwhile to just try other creative stuff mm -hmm. too. Um, maybe you don't consider yourself a poet, but eh, try writing a poem, like write something like this. there's a billion different ways to write poetry. There's like, there's no right or wrong. Just, you could write something. You could try to write a little short story or screenplay. You could paint something, whether it's painting miniatures or painting, just like abstract stuff. You're like, I can't, I can't draw anything realistic to save my life. So I'm just going to splash some colors and try to evoke some emotions and, and, and just try those different types of things. And like, those can be great ways to just express your creativity in another way where you don't feel like, okay, I'm on the clock. I've got to do this, this, and this, because I've got, it's going to be a product and it's going to be this or that, or it's going to be, or I've got a deadline to hit where I can just sit down and like, here's a pile of clay and I'm going to make it into something <laughs> and you don't have to share it with anybody. You can just do it for your own satisfaction and just have it be something creative that you do. It's a natural tendency. I think that people have just to want to create and want to do things. I think that's why we design games too. Like Banana said, beginning tabletop games are just another medium to explore topics and themes. And that's what all art is and sometimes art is don't mess with the zohan and sometimes art <laughs> is <laughs> punch drunk love <laughs> oh man i'm thinking about don't mess with the zohan now um <laughs> what a terrible movie that i was incredibly entertained by uh, <laughs> yeah i i think banana when i look at it, like your body of work I can see that there's like, a, you do a lot of different types of like explorations within, like within games themselves. Do you, do you find that the things that you do in your personal life, like your, your art museums and art gallery trips and the other um, experiences that you have being, being in New York too, um, how have they found their way into your game making? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that I'm definitely inspired by the experiences that I go through, right? Like the experiences, not just like the, like the deep heavy topics, right? But also just like more aesthetic things like the art galleries, or, you know, if I see a, a concept or a theme that I, that I really resonate with, then it sometimes appears in like the, the games that I write. Like right now, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Uh, I'm working on a a game that is based on the reality TV show Below Deck, um, and I'm working on it with uh, Chris and Divine and Zayer Lanier. And uh, the reason why it's the three of us is because it's also a horror version of Below Deck. So. Oh. 
for folks who have never seen the show, uh, basically it's a very trashy reality TV show about uh, a bunch of people who work on a yacht, like a luxury yacht. Um, this is like a millionaire's yacht, not a billionaire's yacht. So it's not like huge with a pool or, I did a lot of research on yachts, uh, <laughs> but a millionaire's yacht uh, specifically has fewer amenities. It's for, um, it's not for like princes or uh, huge celebrities or anything like that. It's for uh, people who just, you know, happen to make a certain amount of money. Did a lot of research on that as well. And so uh, the people that work on these boats, they go through like a lot of drama. Like that's, you know, why there's a reality TV show based around them. And so they do these charters. They have to like, you know, ship around these like uh, these people who uh, who are relatively wealthy and they uh, have to entertain them, right? They have to have like uh, certain things for them to do. They have to like make sure that the, the food is of a high quality. Um, and on top of all of that in the game, uh, we are in this world now where it's sort of like this, it's not post-apocalyptic just yet, but it is getting to a point where, you know, climate change uh, has like impacted like the waters, right? And so you're getting all these like cryptids and sea monsters coming from the depths and they have to like, uh, the crew basically has to manage that and like make sure that the their ship doesn't get eaten up or like, you know, a sea monster doesn't try to make its way onto the ship. Um, or maybe like some of the, the clients that they have are interested in seeing I don't know, giant sea monsters and they want you to risk your life to go um, to go take them there. And so reality TV is also like a touch point for me where I think that like, it's interesting seeing the way that people interact with one another. And I think the more drama there is, the more fun a game is. So that that's something that I've been like doing a lot of thought and uh, research into. Did you watch, I mean, I'm assuming you got the idea for it because you watched Below Deck and- I have watched- Yes, I love the low deck. <laughs> I um I'm a big like cooking competition person. I I love that and I've been thinking too like like how could I how could I gamify this? How could I make yeah. this to a game? Let's uh, let's 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 be fair, Jess. You've been threatening to write a cooking reality show game since yeah. the beginning of this podcast. Yes. I have <laughs> and it's coming. You- it's calculating. Yeah. Oh, I'm what? still in the. I'm still in the <laughs> thinking about it stage. I have not planned anything, but <laughs> yeah, a great way. So, like, um, and this is just like the way that I design games, where it's just like I take something that I'm really interested in right now and like mesh it with something that I'm also interested in, but like totally random. We're not totally random, but like totally not the same thing. Yeah. So, like, reality TV with horror, like that's like my jam. Um, do you think you could do something with like? a baking show i mean oh, not yeah. specifically horror but it could be anything right that's that's you know you gave me you gave me some good ideas for that i think alex and i were talking was it alex and i i'm sure it was because he's the person i talk about game design most with but we were talking about like what if it wasn't about the bakers themselves but about the people behind the scenes and um but i love the idea of genre crossing that's 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 what makes it I realized I popped my, I don't know if my plosives are actually working on my job. So, and also I was using a lot of hand gestures and this is a, an entirely audio medium. This was only for your benefit to see me do the hand thing. What hand thing listeners, it's up to you to decide. <laughs> oh. 
And you know, and you know, another great way to uh, replenish the creative well is something that we've been doing for the last hour, which is to talk to other people who are interested in those things and just let the conversation go where it goes. Um, we've all learned things about uh, each other's interests um, or lack of interests. I learned just, things about sharks today. Yeah. 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 <laughs> sharks are scary. They I are. mean, not they're, I mean, they're more scared of us, but they are scary in like a body horror sense. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, in a, in an, in other sea creature tooth news, um, the narwhal, that horn yeah, is that's more, a tooth. <laughs> is more properly called a tusk. And yes, it is a tooth. <laughs> Wild. I love it. <laughs> um, I, I, the reason I learned so much about like deep sea creatures and things like that is because I am terrified of like that deep water, dark water, expansive ocean stuff scares the crap out of me. So I went out of my way to learn about it. Um, I developed a fear because of 10,000 leagues under the sea uh, and the big Ooh. squid uh, that de- yeah. when I watched it, when I was like a good toddler and it scared me for the rest <laughs> of my life. Um, I like to learn things about my fears because I enjoy horror so much. So banana, I'm very interested in what kind of creepy sea creatures will torture the reality <laughs> show people in your game. Um, I, I'm very much looking forward to, to learning more about that. Thank you. Uh, and speaking about learning more about your stuff, where can our audience learn more about your stuff? <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks for having me on. I am on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, at Banana Chan Games, uh, or Banana Sea Games, uh, either one. So I think right now on TikTok, Twitter, it's been Chan Games. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Yeah. And thank you for uh, coming to speak with us for the third time. And thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Adjaska. You can find my games at wannabegames.com and also on itch and director RPG under the same name. And maybe, maybe soon I'll have a, a cooking show slash, oh gosh, <laughs> cooking show slash space opera. I don't know. It's just pulling you, the genre out. You know what I've been wanting to do for the longest time is a cyberpunk boba shop, but like every time there's like stuff going on at the boba shop, like I don't know, shadow runners or whatever, they like try to intervene and like I don't know, there's like a shootout in like the actual boba shop. Sorry, this is a total tangent, no. but like that's what I really <laughs> want to do. I really want this to happen. Are you the one who's been posting the videos of like giving the egg? Like you get the, I don't know. Yes. Like, okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is an incredible experience. Highly recommend going to every single boba shop that has an egg. <laughs> I can't follow this. I like, <laughs> this is, it's going to be such so, a downer. <laughs> so just an explanation of what is, what this thing is, is that um, there are these bubble tea shops that are now, um, it's like this trend that's going on where people give you your bubble tea in an egg shaped container. And it's like a huge egg. It's like an ostrich egg. Right. And, um, they like to give them out of holes. <laughs> like that's like the thing, right? So there's like a tiger mouth shaped hole. There's like a hole in a wall. Hole. <laughs> they just... I don't think you clarified for the, that for him at all. <laughs> no, I'm even more confused and it's going to be even harder to follow this now. People are dressed like <laughs> raccoons when they oh, give you. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> um, <The egg. laughs> 
Okay, so go follow Banana Chan on Twitter and learn more about this because I am confused. Apparently, I'll send you videos. apparently those apparently those particular tweets have not made their way through the algorithm to me. I will have to actually go to your your account. Um, <laughs> I I'm at Nerdburger Craig on Twitter. Um, my website is nerdburgergames.com. Games are at drivethroughrpg.com, and uh, the Patreon is at patreon.com slash nerdburgercraig where I'm uh, giving people a look on the inside of the creation of the, the book and game, the last part of the Capers series, which is Capers Cyber, which is criminals with superpowers and cyber abilities fighting against mega corporations, which I know Jess loves to see get the beat down. So it'll be fun. Yes, that's true. Well, thank you all. Uh, thank you to our, for our opening and closing theme, which is AVO by Stepsax, licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you to Stepsax. Thank you, Creative Commons. And thank all of you for listening and we'll see you back here next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.